0: Here we go. The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thrilled you're here listening today. Wonderful talk. A roundtable discussion of sorts with my friend from high school, Matt Derry, and my new friend, Joanne Gerstner. Really wonderful talk you're in for. Um, Joanne, you'd appreciate this. My cat actually is locked out of the studio so I can record this intro. So Really good talk, pretty quick intro here. First of all, you can find Matt on Twitter at Dairy Speaks. He's a podcaster, huge sports fan. He's doing podcasts for the Lions, the Pistons, also one with his brother for the Indians. And Joanne, you can find on Twitter at Joanne C. Gerstner. That's G-E-R-S-T-N-E-R. And also, she's just started this amazing... I I, get, I can't tell if it's a Facebook group. I don't think it is because you can access it if if you don't want to be on Facebook like me. It's it's she's right she's an amazing writer and author, and she writes for different publications from the New York Times, NPR. She's a professor at MSU as well. But go to opencourt.bulletin.com. You can subscribe to her quote unquote newsletter. And I don't know if it's going to go beyond the Olympics, but she's also been a writer for the Olympics as well. So all of her posts recently have been all about the Olympics. Fantastic writer, amazing speaker, Um, and Matt as well has been on the radio for years. Uh, Both of them love sports like I do, although I get the sense um, Matt, Matt likes baseball more than I do, and Joanne likes the Olympics more than I do, but I still think it's a really great talk. And... One thing I want to talk about before I let you go, and and uh, and you hear the talk, um, I want to bring up this word purity. And I was listening to a podcast, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's an actor. He was on the Mark Maron show, and he's created this organization where he's trying to retain the purity of creativity, and. I think that's really something that I struggle with as an artist, and I'm sure a lot of you struggle with. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not anti-making money. I'm not a Luddite. I certainly want talented people to make their fair share of money. But I think, and this is a bit complicated here, but I'm, I'm going to explore it more over the next few weeks on some podcasts. But What happens to creativity when social media and people's interest and addiction towards likes takes over? Is art pure anymore? What can you do to retain the purity of your craft? And again, I'm not saying that you certainly don't want fans, you don't want people to listen to your music, but if you are thinking more about YouTube views as opposed to how can you become a better singer, then I think your craft suffers. And I'm recording this right now as all these insane contracts have, have unfolded via, you know, Wojnowski and Mark Stein. And ironically, you're going to laugh at me when I say this, but I unfollowed uh, Adrian Wojnowski over the last couple of days because I, I said to myself, do I need to see... That Russell Westbrook is making $42 million a year. Kelly Olynyk is making $20 or $10 million a year. At what point are we reaching a place where the influx of, of money, advertisers, the business side of sports is stripping the purity of the game away? And I almost feel like I need to ignore or not know what these people are making for me to still enjoy the sport. There is so much going on in the world right now that is confusing and causing destruction and division. And meanwhile, Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul are each making $40 million a year. I mean, the insanity potential and and the potential hypocrisy and all that. If, if the world is going through this amazing turmoil right now and things are shifting and and things are adjusting, and people are struggling struggling to make ends meet, yet it feels like the billionaires and the millionaires are only getting richer. I just watched LFG on HBO, which is amazing. It's about financial equality because the men's soccer team is getting paid more than they are. It's an amazing watch. But what's so interesting is that I followed Megan Rapino right after watching that movie. I was so um, really awestruck by who she was. And the first five to 10 posts on her Instagram are like sponsors, like this is the drink that I drink the most when I'm working out and this is the shirt and this is the, the protein drink. It was like, wow. It's like everywhere you go, it's, it's about money. Have we reached that tipping point where it's, it's no longer about the purity anymore or am I naive to sort of even hold on to that? Uh, I don't know, but these are sort of areas that I'm exploring. Anyway, just something to think about as you consume media, sports, even even if you're a parent and you're raising kids, what are you doing to retain as much purity in their life as possible? You know where to find me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast, a bunch of new music coming out. My new record's coming out September 24th. It'll be on Bandcamp soon, eddycone.bandcamp.com. A huge thanks to Matt Derry, my friend, and Joanne Gerstner, my friend. Honestly, I get the sense, and <laughs> they may not like to hear this, but I, I would love to speak to them every few weeks. I mean, it's it's really um, thought-provoking to, to speak to two wonderful minds. Again, you can find Matt on Twitter, at derryspeaks Speaks. And you can find Joanne on Twitter at Joanne C. Gerstner. So thanks, Joanne. Thanks, Matt, for taking the time. And thanks to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. We're just gonna we're just gonna talk about cats. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well we can. We I, can.
0: I know. Oh yeah, there we go. Like now you now I can hear you better. I don't know if oh, there's Matt, so perfect timing. Gosh, you guys are right on time. Hang on.
2: What's going on? You doing okay? Joanne. <laughs> I just ran I just ran down the stairs. I'm not in very good shape. I, I, yeah, you look like you like this view. Hold on,
0: you look like Hold you're little. Couch, li- you look a little lightheaded. Are you going to be okay?
1: You need a fainting couch so you can recover. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, a, very, a very special guest, Sophia the cat, has joined us. So. Oh.
2: oh yes, Joanne and her stupid cats. Well, that's oh true. Eddie. And also, Eddie's a
0: cat. Well, I, I have a surprise for you, Matt. We're we're actually going to be talking about the benefits of owning cats today on the podcast.
2: Great, I'll take a break. <laughs> you guys do that.
0: I wanna talk about um, obviously the Olympics, but it's it's weird. I was actually feeling anxious uh, over the last 20 minutes and I'll tell you why. I went to a, my niece had, was, is in a traveling basketball league and sort of another topic that I wanna talk about down, down the line here, but um, it was in Orange County. <laughs> there were hundreds of people there um, and nobody's wearing a mask and of course, Um, I'm like, oh my, here I am the fourth or fifth day and I don't have any symptoms, but of course I'm feeling like my chest getting tight. So I'm like, uh, am I having a panic attack or am I actually having some symptoms? So I I know firsthand the the struggles of of anxiety disorder. I, I have dealt with it for years. I'm a hypochondriac. So when I see Kevin Love you know, coming on to Twitter or wherever and talking about his issues with anxiety, um, I understand. And, and, so, and then Simone Biles coming out and talking about the anxiety, Naomi Osaki as well. So, you know, on the one hand, I have to be uh, very sensitive because I understand. And I'm no professional athlete. However, you know there's obviously a however. So um, I'm going to read something to you from Breitbart. And then I'll try and read something. No, I, why? no, why? But, no, no, but I here, no, because okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Is this
2: a, is this a gag? No, a gag?
0: no, I just want, I, but I resonate with, with something here. All the, but you I might also lose
2: Joanne. No, but Joanne I res, might my log off. No, but I resonate.
0: <laughs> but I resonate with what Joanne wrote. Here's the thing. I feel like I can resonate with multiple points of view. Um, so the reason no one is watching this year is simple. And by the way, I tried watching the Olympics the last two days. And is the moment that I would get into something, there'd be a freaking commercial. It's like within five minutes, you got five minutes of commercials. The reason why nobody's watching this year is simple. The Olympics are no longer the Olympics. We're supposed to be a celebration of individual excellence is now nothing of the kind. Instead, the woke Olympics are all about politics, grievance, ingratitude, entitlement, almost done, Matt, and unappealing athletes who are more interested in preening their virtue than representing their country. Um, last, last paragraph. What hap- again, I disagree and agree with this. What happened Tuesday with gymnast Simone Biles is an example of everything wrong with this year's games. She choked. It happens. It's perfectly okay. But she choked and now we're being told to celebrate how brave it was for her to up and quit so she could deal with her mental health issues. So, you know, I think my issue with what I have a problem with is we throw the word hero around a lot of times. And it's I don't know if it's appropriate. I don't know if, you know, I'm being insensitive for questioning, but I'm not in her shoes. I think it's just, I think it's complicated.
1: I'm not calling her a hero. Okay. I'm just calling her, just calling her somebody who said about to attempt something that could end my life, break my neck or break my back, and I can't spot my landing. I can't spot in the air. And the whole thing is twisties are very well known in the gymnastics community. This has been happening for a long time, and it's it's a mental block, and it happens to skaters. I mean, the twisting, you have to have a lot of things going right to do what she does. So if she doesn't feel 100%, These same people that are ripping her are also not going to be the ones to pick her up off the mat and make sure that she's going to care for the rest of her life when she has a broken neck or worse is dead. So, I mean, the lack of compassion for this. And I will say this, that uh, Jordan Weber, who I've basically covered her her entire life, she won in London 2012, she competed on a broken leg. She broke her leg during the trials, literally fractured her tibia kept competing and was in such blinding pain that like she thought her leg was going to fall off. And in the hindsight, she's like, I don't know why I did that. You know, I mean, I know why I did it. It was the Olympics, but under normal circumstances, I would have taken care of my body. So this whole nobility that we want to attach to playing hurt versus risking your life, you know, I mean, I don't want someone trying something if they don't feel confident and she clearly doesn't feel confident. And her Instagram story today is devastating. I mean, she, she doesn't want to be this way. But it happens to a lot of gymnasts and it's not a mental condition. I wouldn't call it anxiety. I think it's much different than that. It's like a, um, I almost want to say it's like a disorder between your brain's neurology versus your balance. And, you know, I, 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 and it's something that comes and goes. Now, is it stress induced? Yeah. Well if I'm the star of the Tokyo Olympics and every commercial is about me, of course I'm going to be stressed, but she's been through it all. So if anyone knows how to deal with stress, it's Simone Biles. So, I mean, I take her at her word that this is so serious. And what caught me off guard was when she landed. So if you go back and look at the, the the vault that she did, when she landed, the look on her face was like, oh God, the look on her coach's face was, oh God, this was not a random thing that went down that you can play through. And you can't play hurt with your head. I mean, you know that. I mean, if you have something that needs to get solved, needs to get solved. But this is it happens to a lot of gymnasts. It's very common. Um, and the people that compared Carrie Strug, that whole thing, like, oh, well, Carrie Strug competed her. Yeah. She was like a kid. She was a teenager who literally was standing on the mat, looking at her abuser, Larry Nasser, and looking at her other abuser, Bella and Marta Caroli. Do you think she had the capability to say, I can't compete? I don't want to do this. Of course she's going to say I'm going to go because her abusers wanted that. So I mean, this is any this is a mess. <laughs> yeah. this is way yeah. more complicated than hero, not hero. you know, and here's the thing. Simone's good. you know, everyone can go kiss her money and her medals and the rest and she can go live her life. so I, I think she'll be fine. It's the rest of the snowflakes I worry about if you know in the
2: if, media. if they if they I agree, Joanne, if they would have put her on some sort of special podium over there and said, hey, we're honoring Simone the participation trophy, then then I I think yeah. what you read, Eddie, has a little bit of merit. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I do believe that right now we are so in this society where you're right, one side may write, hey, get off her case. She's awesome, which might not be appropriate this time because let's celebrate the people that decided to complete the events and everything else. Mm-hmm. And the other side going, oh, Woke Olympics. No, no, one's, no one's saying it's a Woke Olympics if someone pulls out because that's how they feel, but then get barraged by the usual suspects, the entertainers, Eddie, like we talked about on the last podcast, that say, oh, let's not celebrate her. She's a quitter. Why are you calling people names if, if they decide that they're uncomfortable? All right. My, my nephew just left overnight camp. OK, he had a horrible summer and it just wasn't he wasn't feeling it. He's been there before. He didn't quit on camp. No. All right, it was made the determination was made that for the good of the rest of the group that he was in and himself that he elected to uh, uh, Just come home and it's like it doesn't make somebody a quitter. We're just everything Why does everything have to be so labeled all the time up oh, Simone? She's either a hero for one side. No, why can't we all be on one side and say hey, we support her decision to be done well God, to so to
0: annoying. to um, Joanne's article that I read this morning I loved how you were saying, you know, I got to take a step back. Of course, I'm, you know, uh, paraphrasing here. I'm going to take a step back, think about what to say, and sort of examine the whole situation uh, with some objectivity. And sadly, to your point, Matt, um, I I just think this is a dangerous world to live in where anybody can say anything and they're saying things to get attention and, and ultimately words are hurtful. And, and I I just, I don't, I don't like navigating that world and I can't imagine they do either.
1: Well, that's the world we're in. And you know, the sad part is under normal circumstances, if the facts are just presented that you have someone who's literally attempting a dangerous, you know, high risk, high injury maneuver, They don't feel confident. Something's wrong. They can't spot the landing. They lose themselves in the air. I don't know of a single person, oh yeah, that sounds like a really smart thing to do. I think you should try that. But we put that in the context of the Olympics and suddenly all common sense goes out. And I think it goes back to something that I've been writing about for a while, which is the warrior mentality in sports that, you know, if you look at the basis of how we approach sports, a lot has to do with the military, you know, the military and sports are intertwined in a lot of different ways, but you know, the warrior mentality of us celebrating those who put their bodies at risk to compete for a win or a championship. Obviously there's some degree of the heroism, but on the other side though, is like, is this even smart? What are you doing for your future? You have to live in this body for the rest of your life, not just for a gold medal. And you know, if you, there's something called the gymternet. So, uh, the, the, the gymnastics community on Twitter is very, very, very vocal. They're intelligent. The amount of former gymnasts, like Dominique Mosiano, one of your Cleveland people, uh, was talking about how she literally fractured her cervical spine on uh, the beam, and she was like 14 years old, and she said that not only did, like, you know, put her in a collar and stabilize her body, because she broke her spine, but they told her to get back on there, not to whine, and she just accepted that as canon. And she says, you know, this has to change that she should have had the right even at 14 to say something wrong with my neck. It hurts. I'm not feeling my fingers. Can I please stop? Yeah, she did. And, and when you read these things and, they're, you know, and I can I can give you 15 minutes and all the gymnasts that are paralyzed, have closed head injuries, have chronic significant spinal issues because of the slamming over and over. Now, take that to Simone's level where she's doing. Um, skill sets that are so high, they can't even have a judging framework for her. She's above it and she has to land that cleanly. I don't want her doing that. Yeah. I mean, you have to be beyond brave to attempt it in the first place. And and I think because she's 24 years old, has a nice bank account, has everything else, she was empowered to make that decision say, you know what, I'm good. If I'm a 16 year old on the Olympic team for the first time with my coach breathing down my neck, I might try it anyway, even though I might be scared because I have to go. Otherwise I'll disappoint everybody. So the nuance and how you can make that decision when you're young and thrown into the circus with the media on top of that. I mean, that's a whole different conversation.
2: Yeah. One more thing, Eddie, Joe made a good point. 24. Like she's still, she's still a kid. You know, that's the thing. It's like, gosh, we just, we spend so much time just, wanting to tear down people. I mean, in Joanne's article, Open Court, by the way, subscribe. Um, <laughs> she said she called her uh, Biles the goat. So I'm assuming that some people would probably lash back at join, You can't call her the goat if she just quit. Why not? She's the best at what she does. At that young age, Tiger Woods was the goat. And then the minute something happened, now some of it was self-induced, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. people couldn't wait to tear them down. That's what sucks. Why can't we... Why do want to tear everybody down that gets to the
0: top? Yeah, but here's—I'm—I'm I, not trying to play devil's advocate, but I, I will speak for people that I know. And I think uh, when you throw lumps of money at people, um, and then also they're—they're they're playing a game slash sport that a lot of people do casually. It's very—it's the same thing with you know musicians and you know Bono and The Edge. You know anybody can play the guitar play the guitar but can anybody play like the edge you know it just we sort of lionize these people it's mixed with this sort of combination of lionization and then they're also making tons of money so the expectation and they, they also make it look so easy i mean bono sings like it's it's just we, we never see him training and 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 simone it makes she makes it look so easy and lebron james makes it look so easy so i'm not um defending the attackers but I think it's it's also very complicated.
1: It is. And, I, and I, I will acknowledge this, that, you know, the amount of commercials, you know, we we're they're basically working through a two-year backlog of a commercial inventory. You know, Simone was, you know, supposed to be the face of this game. So I think some of you were like, wait a second, you're all Miss High and Mighty, and now this happens. I, I I can see that. But here's the thing. I want her to make the money. Go get it. Go get the cash. And actually, I think a very interesting comparison Will happen now with Sunny Lee, who you know, who just won yeah. the all around. She's 18 years old. She's from Minneapolis, and I think she's going to Auburn in the fall. Well, now with the NIL, she can keep the money. So before, Olympic gymnasts had to make a horrible decision. Like I committed to UCLA, but if I go on the Olympic team and I take the fifty thousand dollars I win for a gold medal and some endorsement stuff from Kellogg's or whatever, I can't go to I can't go to UCLA and compete in gymnastics because of the NCAA's rules. SUNY will be part of the first group of gymnasts who have Olympic gold and even the swimmers, you know, that are going into college, they can keep their money. So Speedo gives them money, you know, Ford wants to give them money, they can keep the money and still go to school. Can you imagine how Simone's decision making would have been different if she, at you know, 18 she could have had her gold medals, cash and all the money and then gone to college? She might not okay. at 24 had to have made the decision of, hey, I got to stick around another year for Tokyo because I got to make the money because I'm 24 and this is it. I mean, think of how the NBA guys, they have, you know, if they don't want to play a game. It's cool because they're going to go back to the NBA for her. This is it. This is done. And I really be very interesting developments, I think, to watch these athletes that had to give up their NCAA career because of the stupid amateurism rules. And the good part is, is Sunni will never have to be faced with the decisions that Simone had to make. She can have it all. She can go to school, be a normal 18-year-old woman. She can, you know, have friends of her own peer group. She can, you know, compete college gymnastics, which if you don't watch college gymnastics, it is so much fun. They, they have a ball. It's, it's, it's a totally <laughs> different atmosphere and then she can, you know, and then make the money. So I, you know, so let's, let's be very clear on the shelf life of a female athlete, the shelf life of someone who's in a sport that tears apart your body. So at 24, she's an old woman, literally and figuratively. And she said very publicly, she's in pain all the time. Hmm. Her body is not going to be right for the rest of her life. So you know what, if she says I'm done, go for it, live your life.
2: I think it's uh, it's a cool you know it's one thing that Joanne does so well with you know she had covered for years leagues like the NBA and then but you know you talk about Olympics and amateur sports and then the chance for Simone or whomever to get paid and obviously live their lives and make a living once every four years you know I was just reading today people were talking about Spencer Dinwiddie oh Spencer Dinwiddie of the formerly the Pistons Brooklyn Nets and whoever you know, he's a journeyman Guard, he's going to ask for thirty million a year, and he's going to get it. Yeah, and there are plenty of people Eddie outside your window, Joanne's, mine. If you ask them, hey, do you know who Spencer Dinwiddie is? They yeah. don't no. It's about yeah. to make thirty large a year. He's a good player, but like, holy hell, like that's you know they were talking about the extensions on the NBA draft last night for the big three in Brooklyn.
1: Guy
2: nice. kind of like James Harden could make 40, 50 million. Russell Westbrook is not the same player anymore. The Lakers just took him on for 40 plus million a year. He can't make a three, he's not a three, he can't make a three point shot. So here's a chance for these amateur athletes and getting in this spotlight, make that money now. Cause you just you're right, people tearing you down, get injured, go through what Simone Biles is going through. It's it's not like these other leagues where if you have a couple of mediocre years and your deal comes up, you're in good shape.
0: So you know, back to the question that I sort of started with, why are the Olympic Olympics ratings down? And then, you know, I say to myself, and Matt, you and I have talked about this in the past, you know, resentment towards sports because the pandemic's happening, people are losing their jobs, maybe, you know, working three, four jobs, yet the NFL is still going. I mean, the Olympics are still going, yet there's supposedly a terrible pandemic happening, you know, Maybe people have, have, have potentially have, have had it with um, the money that's going towards sports and entertainment.
1: You're not going to like my answer, Eddie. No, you have to take a longer view of this. So okay, this is, please. This is a time zone issue. So this is the first uh, summer Olympics since Beijing in 2008. So the last time we had a Winter Olympics was in Korea in Pyeongchang. And that was in 2018. So you're basically facing a 13 hour time zone difference. And I was in Beijing working those games. And basically it was impossible to align, you know, people watching stuff because, you know, when we're sleeping, you know, they're doing their thing. And when we're, you know, when they're up vice versa, I mean, so the alignment's not good. So the time zone, London did very well. Rio did very well. Uh, So, hate to say it, from an American, North American, European perspective, having the Olympics closer to us within about a six to eight time zone is optimal. Uh, Beijing will be next year for the Winter Olympics, so we're going to have this all over again. Uh, Most, the majority of your athletes are not showing any of this political stuff. I mean, I watch beach volleyball, I watch track and field, I was just watching archery and water polo. All this political stuff doesn't even touch it. I mean, that, that doesn't exist. Now, obviously the U.S. women's uh, soccer team, okay, you got that, um, you know, some of the swimmers maybe, but overall, most of our athletes, it's gonna get a little more activist now with the track team coming online cause that got more of that flavor there. But the problem is this, NBC has an impossible situation people want to see things live. We do. Now, the Canadian networks, you know, in Detroit, we get the CBC. So we can watch Canadian. The Canadians have been live for 25 years. So this is not a problem that can't be solved. It's just an American thing that we like to have prime time, sell the hell out of it to Toyota, McDonald's, Coke, and, you know, make it a rah-rah celebration. But the challenge is this. NBC is trying to cover all of it. Spaces, so it's trying to launch a streaming service, Peacock. So it's driving stuff there. Right. Then they have right. their assets with USA, you know, the Olympic Channel, MSNBC, things like that. So they're driving things there. And then they're trying to utilize their main NBC channel. But here's the problem: your local affiliates don't want the Olympics on all day because they're going to make more money showing Judge Judy and live with you know live with Kelly and Ryan, all this other stuff. So they're trying to slot all this in. And then the next thing is, you know, COVID. You know, everyone's kind of like, "Oh, great!" You know, it's COVID. Are we excited? Are we not excited? Nothing has captured people yet. We haven't had our darling yet of the Olympics, which usually comes. I'd argue if you had the swimmers, maybe, and maybe Suni Lee will be coming out of it. But it just this just hasn't happened, and unfortunately, I think Tokyo. It's also a cultural thing too. The Japanese—they just, just didn't don't even
2: want the games. They didn't want it. it. Right. Yeah. They
1: didn't want it. And they fired both the, the director and the choreographer of the opening ceremonies like two days before because both the guys got in trouble for stuff they said they did. they paired back. I mean, so yeah, you know, this is kind of like a stacking thing. So I think this grand, oh, the woke Olympics. No, it's a time zone thing. <laughs> if you could flip on your TV right now and watch USA basketball, I guarantee you would. Well, guess what? As someone who's been working these Olympics, writing and stuff, I've been getting up at three thirty in the morning to watch stuff live. Oh,
2: yeah, high hard on the high app. Hard. Well,
1: work, work, work. Uh, but for the on the app, so I've been watching things, you know, unfiltered through this. And you know, I did whitewater kayaking this morning. And so, I mean, so I don't know how you. <laughs> whitewater no kayaking. Nope. Nobody drowned, so it's all good. But yeah. uh, it's it's hard. It's really hard, and. I think the bigger challenge for the entire Olympic movement is this: that the the, the global trotting of the Olympics was once sexy, but it's now sucked, it's sucking the life out of countries and cities. And the ideal would be is to have one location, maybe rotate it every 10 years or something, one for winter, one for summer. Um, you know, change up the continents. You know, maybe do one in Europe for the winter and then make it in Australia or something for the summer. We I mean, flip it around. But this hopping around to all these different cities and making people bid, people don't want the Olympics. It is hard to get a city to want the Olympics. Yeah. That is the bigger problem than the ratings. And it's it's no joke. I mean, I mean, Paris doesn't want the Olympics. I mean, the next Olympics will be in Paris. They don't want it.
2: Yeah. One more thing on the Olympics. Last Sunday morning, my daughter wanted to wake up and watch the USA basketball game against France. And, you know, so I'm out of town with her. So we got NBC, CNBC, MSNBC, NBC Sports Network, and I don't think I'm leaving anything out, but like, I don't know why my wife is screaming upstairs. Um, but uh, it's like, I can't find the game. So I tweeted, where's the game? You know, and Joanne and others were like, oh, it's on the Peacock app. I don't have the Peacock app. Yeah. I'm not an Olympics person. I'll I, I watch, you know, my daughter wanted to watch the game, and then we end up losing to France, and it was like, I missed it. So... That was kind of annoying. Well, but you know, I guess they're trying to build the apps.
0: Well, there's too many apps. There's too many distractions. Like it it's like outside of the outside of the Super Bowl. It's weird. I wasn't even thinking like um, there's Disney Plus and Apple Plus and Hulu and Netflix and Amazon, and people right now are obsessed with like the 15th season of Breaking Bad right now and they could give a crap about you know the Olympics and it's just because there's so many options and you there know tw- are, that, in 20, 20 years a- ago when Carl Lewis is running down in the track and field, we're all watching. there's like nothing
2: else to distract us. So you know I too think much, that's a huge much part else of it going on That's a huge part oh, of it too.
1: yeah totally
2: and and like la- uh, Thursday night, The NBA draft. I mean, if you weren't on Twitter following it, you had no idea what was going on on the broadcast because there's being trades made every five seconds. The Knicks are picking at 25. Spike Lee's standing there clapping. Can't wait for his player to be taken on his favorite team, which we all know it is because they've been hammering that down our throats for 30 years. (laughs) That's Spike Lee's best Knicks fan. And they're not even drafting for their own team. So Spike thinks, oh, the Knicks, we just took blah, blah, blah. But no, the Knicks are drafting, but they're drafting for Toronto, who they're trading for. It was right. so annoying, but like you shouldn't have to, whatever. And I think this goes back to your point, Ed. Why can't we just sit down and watch and put our phones down and just watch? Instead, it's like, if you're not on Twitter while you're watching the NBA draft, you have no fucking idea what's going on. No, Because the broadcast is behind. Oh, let's bring Woj in now. Oh, we have a trade to announce. What, that's five minutes ago on Twitter. That shouldn't be that way. You know, I should be able to Sunday morning if the USA basketball game's on. This is athletes that many people know because they're for household names from the NBA. I should be able to find it. Why well, was and I was flipping other stuff, but uh, Olympic stuff. But that game should have been on. Well, no, they were smart. They dangle a carrot for the to get for you to get the Peacock app. Well, I wasn't going to get out of bed, go to my my laptop, prop up the HDMI cord, wake her up, and go, "Hey, we're watching on the laptop. We had a TV right there." It's kind of annoying. But you didn't miss anything. No, no. Matt, you have a daughter, right?
0: I do. How old is she? 16. So, and this connects Joanne to something we talked about the last time we spoke. So, I'm just going to share a quick story. But um, I, so my niece is 16. She's um, up in San Francisco, but they're on a traveling basketball team. And they how, I,
2: how tall? How tall is she? Because your brother's tall.
0: Well, she's my girlfriend's um, uh, sister's daughter, um, but I call her my niece just because I, uh, I feel like my girlfriend. Well, you and I she, totally, totally confuse me. Yeah, so she's not does very Kenny, tall. Does
2: Kenny have kids?
0: Yeah, they have. Uh, he has two kids. <laughs> Sorry, it's all right. <laughs> we'll just talk about distracted. Jeez. Um let me think. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my train of thought. So anyway, so I go to this event. Um yeah. She, they win on Saturday they win Sunday then I go and I go to the championship on Monday uh, it's it's all girls basketball she gets twenty seven points she's an amazing three point shooter she they win the game in the finals like in the last three seconds and the scorekeeper is not doing a good job of keeping score like she's some 12 year old girl who's giving like the wrong points to the wrong team and I see the parents like yelling and it was I hadn't felt <laughs> this much energy and enthusiasm. And it it was like this just raw, just passionate, amazing basketball game where they're actually running plays. I, I just I commend you, and I thought about you because I was so wowed, and I wanted to watch a WNBA game. And I think, and I guess I brought up your your daughter, Matt, because I was sort of feeling like, does she feel the comparisons? This whole male female a comparison factor. I'm throwing a bunch of stuff out there, but I was just really, I was so blown away at how great the game was. And I was like, I hope they have another game because I want to watch.
2: I think if she's watching, I think she just likes sports. She's not a huge sports fan, but if it's male or female, I don't think she, she cares as long as it's entertaining and you're right, the competition level. Um, I've heard from other kids that you're right. If you go to a competitive, women's lacrosse game um, team USA soccer. The women for years were 10 times better. I like watching women's tennis. Joanne and I have had this argument or talk a thousand times, not argument. I actually take her side. Women's (laughs) tennis has been better than men's tennis for a long time. The rallies are longer. So there's some good um, personalities. Some some of the men at the top are good, but so what's wrong with saying that, you know, like I think right now you're right, Eddie, you want to see competition at the highest level and some energy and, uh, we've heard plenty of people say, geez, you know, the NBA is bringing back the play-in tournament next year for seeds seven, eight, nine, and 10 because those teams at that air, at that level need to be kicked in the pants a little bit because they're kind of on the brink of mailing it in. Yeah. So you're bringing in a competitive tournament in order to bring up the competition. Shouldn't 82 games and a lot of money and TV rights be enough? So uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting point.
1: Well, I wore my uh, magic T-shirt for you. (laughs) It's bet on women. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, And and it's actually a WNBA shirt. So there you go. Nice. Um, Yeah. You know, it's it's just, it's really fascinating to me. I don't know if you watch any of the three on three. No. Um, It's near the Olympics. Go back if you can and find some of the US. Kelsey Plum was destroying people. I mean, if you're just an afeccionado of breaking people down, Whoa. And here's the thing. She tore her Achilles last year at this time. I mean, if it was us, we'd still be limping around on crutches. She's out there winning a gold medal. And what really has fascinated me is, to Matt's excellent point, it's not that we don't embrace women's sports or women or girls doing stuff. I mean, the U.S. Women's National Team has been the most dominant soccer team in this country in terms of popularity, in terms of national teams, obviously, since 1999. I mean, they had just, you know, there's like now we're now in our fourth generation of kids that have seen them as good. Now, the guys aren't even in the Olympics. We don't even have a men's team in the Olympics. So right. I'm just going to leave that right there. And, uh, you know, so it's not that we don't embrace female athletes and some of the biggest athletes, you know, of the games are usually, though, not team sport athletes. They're the swimmers. They're, you know, we like our women individual. We don't hmm. like them as part of a team. And it's an interesting dynamic. If you look at the big guys that we look at in the Olympics, most of them are on teams. It's this weird, you know, the the men's basketball team, uh, the dynamics are very interesting of how we look at our athletes. But the framework for, you know, know, your niece, Eddie, and Matt, your daughter, is, is that they're in a world where, you know, where I didn't have this growing up, that girls can actually have another girl to look up to, another woman to look up to as an athletic hero all my athletic heroes growing up were guys hmm. because that's just what it was, you know? And, and and so that's a different shift that I'm now hearing from my friends, so small children, that they are actually putting up a Megan Rapino poster or uh, a, you know, uh, uh, you know, an escu or whatever. I mean, all these women that are coming up and really taking the stage, the little boys are looking up to them too. And that's a huge cultural shift that we're not gonna fully understand probably for two more decades, but it's happening right now in front of us.
0: Well, I think people, uh last little point and then I'll I'll let you two go um, because we'll see where, where this goes. I think people just love sports but crave sort of that organic version of it where it's it's just the competition and, and the and like the money and the ego and, and I'm so tired of the Chris Paul's flopping and flailing and LeBron does it all the time too. And it's it's like when I watch these girls. It was just it was fierce. It was it was none of the uh, politics. It was no money. It was just they, they were just scratching and trying to win that frickin game. And I just feel like sometimes we lose that now because there's all these other sort of uh, things happening and sort of affecting the sport.
1: But Eddie, we have to lose it because as a woman, I have to fight to get paid as much as you in this society. So we can't divorce this and live in a la-la land where, hey, I'm an athlete. This is doing great. And we're having fun. Well, at some point, if you really want to pursue this, it gets real. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'll say this, nobody likes noisy women. You know, if we just go along and everything's cool, we can continue to be paid less, have less opportunities, not get a chance to interview for stuff and, you know, just not, you know, have the basic things that the male athletes have for granted. So, the blowing up of the system is very uncomfortable. And that's what you're feeling because it's, you know, we're, we, and I mean women, are trying to change things. So, longing for the purity of sport, I get it. But it's also big business. And the disruption is coming from the top. But if the top's disruption is done correctly, those girls that you saw that were 16 years old hopefully will have more opportunities both professionally as athletes, but also professionally is if they want to make sports their business, maybe they can be an assistant or a head coach for a men's team, or maybe they can be be an agent or run a team. I mean, all those things weren't open 15 years ago. They're now opening up now. So I think, you know, disruption, societal disruption is always uncomfortable. And we want to go back to where we were because it was safe and comfortable. But the problem was it wasn't safe and comfortable for more than half of us.
2: Hmm. There was a, uh, back in Detroit, I don't remember how many years ago, but, the Detroit Shock, the WNBA team, they kept winning the championships. Like and and Bill Lambeer is the head coach, and Rick Mahorn is the assistant. Mahorn, yes. And so you so uh, uh, and Rick, by the way, just had this new commercial. Did you see it last night during the NBA draft show? It
1: was fa- I, I I squealed. It was fantastic. Rick it was phenomenal.
2: Job. I just texted him and yeah, he, and he's he's telling me I'm hating him. I'm like, no, I really did oh, love the commercial.
1: No, no, it was good.
2: The opposite. It was great. It was for like a auto care company or something. Yeah, it was no, he did a good job. But these two very masculine Detroit bad boys from the Pistons that everybody hated outside of Detroit are coaching these women and so when they played in the WNBA championship game like three times and kept winning they kept winning The one year they did it at the Joe Lewis arena because the palace had a concert or something that place right. the roof could have been blown off this thing yeah. and it was like this weird two and a half hours where whether you walked in or walked out you had no idea it was a women's game Men's game. there was no gender discussion it was just this is a real. great sporting event. And it was like, you know, you could put it right up there with some of the some of the best. And Detroit's a really good sports city, and they've had a lot of successful teams, except one, uh, the football team. But other than that, and it's like, no, the shock winning the championship, which I was there for, was like right up there with the, I don't know if it's up there with the Red Wings winning the cup or anything, but it was so well, loud and so exciting. People
1: loved it. People came. Yeah.
2: And it was just not it, it for one day, it wasn't about male or female. It was just like good sports. So same thing for you, Eddie. If you're going to see your niece's game and you're like, wow, this is great athletics and sports, it's it's a nice distraction from the BS around us for everything else. And uh and and so you know, you're you're hopeful that the Olympics can be that and it can, you know, get better. But you're right. I'm I'm not watching as much of it. I've Follow Joanne so I see what's going on. Right. Um, right. But, you know, it's not the same. It's it's a little bit. There's other people have other things going on. It's too bad.
0: Last point. I'll let you two go. I was just after, when you, were t- you said something, Joanne, about noisy women. And then I thought my head went to John McEnroe and Monica Sellis. And I remember like the. <laughs> hoopla, the hoopla and the stir that she was creating, because the grunting and the uh, that she was making when she played, and I, then I was thinking to myself, John McEnroe was a freaking asshole on the tennis court, and that was <laughs> and that was entertainment. And then Monica is grunting and making those noises when she's hitting. It was a distraction and an annoyance. It, it, to your point, it's it's it's. Um, it-
1: well, you have to remember our you know, and me included, our entire framework for sports is through a male lens. Because, you know, our professional teams are male. Our coaches are male. All the coaches I had for different sports I had growing up were male. And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying the perspective of how we were shaped, you know, both in seeing the world and everything else, has been extremely male-dominated. So now, you know, because of Title IX and all this other stuff, you have everything starting to really bend. Not just like, hey, it's great that Monica Seles can be a tennis player. But now, you know, we're starting to emerge into women of the Gen X generation. Basically we're, get, we're getting in charge now and we don't wanna do the same thing that was done before. And it's not just like, great, we have an opportunity that's so awesome that you let us play. It's more like, wait a second, why are you finding a, a, a field hockey team for not wearing bikinis basically when they wanna wear skirts? Who made this rule? Oh, some guy did, you know? And it, so it's, it's it, we're seeing a dismantling of the system, but the challenge I think for all of us is maintaining what we love about sports. I mean, it should be fun. It should be, you know, positive. It should not be destroying people. It should not be, uh, you know, a vehicle to allow abuse. Or worse yet, should not be a vehicle to allow, you know, financial extortion of cities when teams want to move or athletes that hold teams hostage because they want trades. And, you know, I mean, things have gotten complicated really fast. It's just now women are in the same playing field as the men. And the things that we were okay with the guys doing of being disruptive, is not as cool when the women do it. Cause maybe it's a little more obvious or it sounds different or it looks different. And, you know, and then you take the next level of you have an athlete of color like, Oh, Serena, Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, a lot of the stuff they do gets filtered through the lens of their, you know, either being biracial or, you know, their, their lens of who they are. So, you know, there's a lot of deep sociology stuff going on here. It's not just as simple as play, don't play, shut up, don't shut up. Good, bad. It's not that simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And if Naomi, if Naomi Osaka and I have read enough about the story, but I don't follow her as as closely, but if, if she, if you're on her side, you're woke. And if you're against her, you're sexist. And it's like, why why
0: are we racist
2: or or racist? Right. So why, why are you, why, why has it come to that? It's, it's sad. It's funny. And and then make the decision. What? It, you know, it's, again, it's labeling, man. It's, it's crazy.
0: It's weird. Like, I, I'll let you go. But I, um, I do think all these sort of attempts to bring awareness subconsciously is creating more division and, and, and resentment. And I, I went to this game and it's weird. Her team had two Asians, a Filipino, a black woman, a Hispanic girl. And all, me and all the parents are high-fiving everybody. And it was it was after they won. I mean, we were jumping up and down. And that's the thing about sports. One of my friends in my 20s, who, who she didn't like sports at all. She asked me, why do you like sports so much? Or what is it about sports? And I said, it's because all these different types of people, uh, when they come together and, and jump up and down like that, it's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, no, and I have to say, the, some of the coolest things I've gotten to do in my career have been at the Olympics. I mean, I've never until the day I die, I will never forget being in the stands of like 100,000 people in the world were in the stadium in Beijing watching that. And I was lucky enough to be one of them. I mean, I had chills the whole time. I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's singular. I can't imagine anything else that I will ever see. I mean, seeing Usain Bolt run, that's electric. I mean, I literally felt like every hair on my body standing up watching him run, because everyone was standing and screaming. Um, You know, watching Michael Phelps swim, I was there in 2000 for the infamous dunk over. at USA Basketball? I saw that line. I'm like, did he just dunk over somebody? Can you do oh, that? Vince Carter dunk. Vince, yeah, Vince just like kept going. I'm like, is that legal? Oh my God, so, so <laughs> somebody out for that poor dude. He just got. That's not even posterized. I think he got buried. So there's amazing things that happen, and that's what we, and we want to be surprised. We want to be happy. We want to feel good for people. And I think to your point, Matt, I think there's so many people are yelling and putting people down because I think there's a lot of people that don't feel good about themselves and tearing down people they think are of status or have things that you don't agree with. Number one, gives you status, right? Gives you followers on social media and makes you whatever. But number two, I think it's also this kind of passive aggressive, well, there, I showed them. And, you know, in the end, it's just so much, so much empty crap. But the problem is people are taking it seriously. And I, I the, the damage that I see that's being done all the time by social media is real. And I can, and I just see that with my students at Michigan State. I mean, they really care what the world thinks about them. Like, oh, I only got 12 likes or this, like, so what? But the problem is we were all lucky. We didn't grow up with that. You know, we were adults when this came into play and we still had to manage it. I can't imagine having a screen in my hand since birth and having a, you know, a social media account set up for me when I'm three. So my parents can Instagram everything I do. We're dealing with a very different set of generational divides between all of us. And I don't know what, how this is going to turn out or the answer, but sports as always is the mirror to society. It's the mirror to society. Nothing is happening that disturbs us isn't happening on the outside. So we can't expect sports to be this perfect little bubble and Haven where the bad stuff isn't coming because it's just people in the end of the day.
2: How about Michael Jordan the other day saying, I don't know if I could have played in this era based on the social media, oh. Twitter. And when I mean, you're talking about, that's the guy, I mean, you know, Eddie and I sat through many a bulls calves game together when we just couldn't beat this guy. Like, you know, I mean, he had, he had a lot of spare parts around him. Calves had this, you know, cool starting five and hot rod off the bench and they couldn't touch this fucking guy. And so now it's like MJ, the GOAT, coming forward, greatest of all time, saying, I don't know if I'm going to play in this era because it's just the pressure on these kids or, or even, the you know, maybe even male adults that are playing these games and what they're having to read and, you know, people get mad at Kevin Durant for firing back. He's a human being. We almost forget that. You know, I mean, last night Cade Cunningham of the Pistons put on a pair of sunglasses. He, he was like being a jerk. He wasn't be- he was trying to be funny. He and was. I saw some of the responses. It's like, tell them, you know, he looks like a thug. Put the take your sunglasses off. You're inside. It's like, oh god, He's just having some fun. He's a good kid. Like, people suck. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. seem alone. He's having some fun. You know, it's crazy.
1: I, I think that's I think that's your tweet. People suck.
0: Yeah, that's. <laughs> that's I, about it. Um, I have to say, uh, Matt, I've been a huge fan of of yours for uh, 35 years, and and Joanne, a fan? No, that's
2: not
0: true. Joanne, you are quickly moving up that totem pole, and you're knocking, oh, you're knocking okay, Matt no, no. off that top shelf. You're, ah. you, you two are, you two are great. This, I, I, I mean it. When I started, I was feeling, I, I was feeling anxious just about like life, and and there's something about communicating and, and just like expressing oneself and seeing other people and talking about life. It just, it relaxes me. And I, I really appreciate you too. Uh, you were, you were my therapist today. I really
2: appreciate
1: it. <laughs> uh, I'll send you my bill. My rates, my rates are pretty high, but you know, I do take insurance. So I'll let you know. Yes,
2: oh I did. my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. It was great to see
0: you both. This was fantastic. It was exactly what I was uh, hoping for. So we're for. not
1: going to talk about cats.
2: <laughs> that's right where's the is any are any cats lurking around No, nah,
0: i locked mine out because uh they 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 scratch and i had a podcast yesterday and they were meowing the whole time in the background it was Here. just it was distracting I love joanne's let's see joanne's I,
1: looking, I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta
0: unplug
2: one
1: thing because i don't
2: have it's fine this is this is sophia so she uh there she is oh that's big she's big
0: I don't know. I think there's something wrong with somebody who doesn't like pets. That That's just that. Oh, makes. Here we go.
2: No, I don't know. Here Some, we go. Joanne, something. Has... All right. I'll tell a story real fast. <laughs> so Heather goes to her friend. My wife goes to her friend's house last night and the dog attacks her, licks her leg. And so she go. She was just like and a friend of hers. This is a very good friend of hers that knows that she's not really that big into the dogs. And this dog especially, which just slobbers everywhere. Mm. And she went over to help her with something last night. Wouldn't you put the dog away for an hour? Yes, I would. Heather literally goes into the bathroom, but kept the door open so she could show her friend. She was like washing her leg (laughs) off. So her friend's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. She's harmless. She's harmless. She's like, you want slobber all over me.
1: I'm not well, a dog person, so I, okay. I, I I truly feel that. And in, in fact, I kind of get a little <laughs> bit of panic attacks around some big dogs. Like, I just, not good. But I've always been a cat person, and, you know, if you go into the literary tradition of Ernest Heming- Hemingway, you do better writing when you have cats around you. So it's mm. a very rarely thing to have. How about that? Yeah, no.
2: That's you know, Hemingway knows. had
1: his joint in Key West where he kept 50 cats at all times and, of course, his stash of rum, you know, <laughs> to write stuff. So, you know. I mean, this
2: guy That is good. Yeah.
1: So anyway, but um, yeah, but here's the thing: if you don't like pets, that's cool. Then you shouldn't have them. You know, I mean, that's it's totally understood. I just, for me, um, you know, it's it's nonstop entertainment. So it is,
0: you know, so, it is. So yeah,
1: <laughs> it is. It's just nonstop entertainment. And, and and furthermore, I will say this: I've got tons of friends who have dogs. You know, I, I think especially during the pandemic. You know, it was great having something else that was alive in the house that was not <laughs> yeah. related. To the, so anyway, so yeah, it is, it's for it and against it, but I will say this, you know, it's not a plus for me when I hear about a new shopping mall that opens, you know, that allows dogs or these restaurants that allow dogs. That's not a plus for me. I probably won't go there because I'm like, I don't want to run into these dogs. Cause what if I have a dog slobber on me? Like with Heather, Or I've had, I mean, I have one <laughs> friend's dog that literally like scratched the holy hell out of me. Like, just like, like Ugh. didn't mean to just got excited but i literally left like a claw mark almost like a horror movie all the way down my leg and i was wearing jeans i'm like my god you know it's like
0: you know
1: so anyway so yeah so anyway so anytime you want to do a podcast about cats (laughs) i am your person
0: you're the one well we'll leave
1: leave Matt at home
0: yeah no matt you can stay home on that i'll
2: sit that i'll sit that
0: one out (laughs) Well, um, I appreciate you two. This was fantastic. This was a lot of fun. This will go live in like a, hopefully like a week. Okay. Cheers, guys. All right. It means a lot. I'd love to see you guys. Have a great day. All right, crazy. Later, guys. See ya. God. Bye. <laughs>